0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by Keegan Lowe to discuss the Giants. Keegan, the Giants are kind of in an interesting place. Obviously, they had that fantastic run, three World Series in five years, and, and even Beyond that, winning seasons uh, for a longer stretch than that, Uh, from 2009 to 2016, they had a winning season every year but one. This was one of the most consistently competitive clubs in baseball. What's followed is two losing seasons, a core that's aging out. We saw some changes uh, in the front office. Farhan Zaidi joining from the rival Dodgers to kind of take over the organization. And a farm system that, in part because they weren't drafting high for a very long time, There wasn't a whole lot there that's kind of been reset now. As we move into 2019, where do you kind of see the Giants at?
1: So I I kind of think it's an inevitable come down after the the dynasty, if you want to call it that, from all the even-year success. I mean, you mentioned the aging core. It's just a, a real veteran roster, and there's not much coming up in the minors that you can say, okay, you know, these guys are definitely going to be here in 2019, and they're definitely going to produce, and we're going to be back in the playoffs. You know, I don't think... We did our farm system rankings in the, uh, in the prospect handbook, and Giants are in the bottom five, so there's, there's not much coming up. I mean, yeah, you have Joey Bart at the top, and he's exciting, but he just got drafted in June. Um, so, yeah, at the Major League level, I, I think it's a, a transition period um, for sure. I mean, maybe I mean the, the, t- the Major League team has talent, but like you said, it's older, and they've had two back-to-back losing seasons, so nothing gives me a lot of hope that they're going to turn it around and win 90 games, especially in a really tough NL West. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, a franchise that is not obviously not used to being in this position, especially you know in the last decade plus, but I think it's a, a franchise that is definitely in a transitional fra- phase, if not if you don't want to call it rebuilding, it's at least transitional from trying to go from old to young again.
0: And we saw last year they kind of doubled down, they went out and acquired Andrew McCutcheon, they acquired Evan Longoria, uh, didn't make a huge dent, uh, they ended up trading McCutcheon, and uh, Longoria's still around, but he's obviously another one uh, who's kind of aging out. At the same time, it does feel like there's a bit of a, a change in mindset with this new Giants front office group led by Farhan Zaidi, maybe more of a recognition that, okay, the way our team is currently constructed with you know the age of some of our guys we're relying on, plus there's just a lot of holes throughout that roster. Okay, yes, you have a Buster Posey and a Brandon Belton and Brandon Crawford, but you haven't had anyone in the outfield for a couple of years now. Um, it's not a complete team and that's something that takes a little bit to kind of build back up. It does feel like there's more of a recognition of that and, and you spoke with Giants front office officials throughout this process. Did you sense that there is that kind of a, a new mindset, the, the turning the page type thing that's kind of you know overtaking this organization here?
1: I think that's fair. I think anytime a franchise disrespected has back-to-back losing seasons, I think everyone realizes, hey, we need to this is not going to keep working, you know, we got to do something different, it's time that, you know, you know we, maybe we change some of the ways, you mentioned the front office turnover, I, I think that's a, a step in the right direction, um, not to say anything of the previous regime, obviously they had great success, but just it, it, it seemed like it was time for something else in San Francisco, um, and so yeah, I think that's kind of where we are heading into 2019. And I'll
0: say this as we go through this uh, system discussion, Giants fans, lest you start feeling discouraged, because as Keegan mentioned, there's not a lot coming anytime soon. Just go back to, you know, if I had told any San Francisco Giants fan at the start of this decade, considering the Giants had not won a World Series since moving from New York to San Francisco in the 50s, if I told you at the start of this decade, okay, guys, you're going to win three World Series in the first five years of this decade, but then the next, you know, ten or so, or not even ten, the next five, you'll make the playoffs once and have a couple of, of last place seasons, they would take that trade every
1: day of the week. Exactly. That's like, I think, it, not the same a l- little bit later, but it's like the Red Sox this year. Yeah, they might have the worst farm system in baseball, but who cares if you're winning 110 games and winning a World Series. And obviously the Giants are a few years removed from that kind of performance, but it's still, at some point you went through World Series, that's that's the point, and then you got to hit the reset button. It happens with every major league team, and that's just kind of where we are in the cycle for the Giants.
0: So within that, Joey Bart number one prospect in the system, number two overall draft pick. In your discussions with evaluators, both inside and outside the system, was there any argument for Joey Bart not being the number one prospect in
1: the system? I don't think so. I mean, I didn't I didn't hear anyone that even really put up a fight for anyone else. Um, I would say there was a, a debate for number two. Um, they were between two and three, but one, Joey Bart, I think it was a, especially in a system that, like we said, is is in the bottom half of baseball. I think Joey Bartz, he would probably be a clear number one in most systems, I would say. I don't know, you, you look at 30 systems more on a wider base than I do, but he's at least in contention for a number one prospect in a lot of systems. And so with a the, with the system as depleted, if that's the word you want to use, as the Giants, I think it's a clear one. Um, and I don't think that's even saying anything bad about the guys 2 through 30 in this system. I just think that says a lot about Joey Bart. I mean, signed for over $7 million, which was... Um, the biggest draft bonus for a, for a position player in draft history. Um, I mean, Georgia Tech has had some good catchers like Matt Wieters, Jason Baratek. Um, Joey Bart went higher than all of them. You know, so um, he, he kind of has that college pedigree of everything you'd want. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to compare him to Buster Posey, and I, that, that can be dangerous. But I, I think that's the hope if you're a Giants fan. I mean, I, you're kind of spoiled by Posey, so let's just keep on bringing another college catcher up here and uh, or a college position player up here and, and see if he can hold down the catching spot for the next to 15 years.
0: Joey Bart had a lot of helium throughout the season uh, at Georgia Tech. He was a guy that was on the radar as a, as a first rounder. It wasn't like he came from nowhere, but really kind of kept shooting up and, and to the point that he was the number two overall pick. And some even talked about him at number one, although there was a pretty clear you know, level there with Casey Mize being number one. Leading into the draft, one of the biggest questions about Joey Bart was his ability to make contact. Um, one comparison I got from, from an evaluator was Mike Zanino. Loved the defense, loved the leadership, there's power there, but Mike Zanino is a career 207 hitter in the big leagues who, for the most part, has been limited to playing for second division uh, team in Seattle. He's now moving to Tampa Bay, so, again, kind of on the cusp of that, you know, he's a starting catcher in the big leagues, but if not an all-star, you can kind of do better. Well. Most teams will seek to do better, at least offensively. Yeah. What has Joey Bart shown? Because when it came time to put his grades in the prospect handbook, that hit grade had changed a little bit. What did he show from the time he was drafted through his his pro debut, which was small, but it occurred that gave maybe some more confidence that he will hit not just
1: at an average major league level, but even an above average one. Yeah, so he played fifty one games in his pro debut, which, like you said, not a small sample size, and he. Didn't, he just got as high as the Northwest League short season. So coming from the ACC short season, you would expect him to perform well, at, at least. Um, and, and he did that. Um, hit 300, hit 13 home runs in 45 games. Um, the strikeout rate you mentioned is, was around 20% in the Northwest League. Um, well, which is which is fine for a guy making his pro debut. I mean, if he's going to give you 13 home runs in 45 games and you're live with the 20% strikeout rate, you know. Um, so so I don't know. I, would, I think everyone would like to think whole, he has a little higher ceiling than Zenito does right now, or did. Um, but yeah, I, I think the hit tool is, is there, at least from everything we've seen. Um, he didn't really get challenged, like we said, in the, his pro debut. So I think the plan is to start him out in high Class A, so he'll skip low Class A entirely. Um, and I think that's when you'll really start to see, okay, where is his hit tool? Because like you said, the, the power is there. Um, The the defense, from all accounts, was there at Georgia Tech, called his own games at Georgia Tech. Everyone likes him behind the plate, good pop times, good arm. So it is going to come down to the hit tool. I feel like, you know, I repeat myself a lot with draft guys coming out. It it seems to come down to the hit tool for almost all these guys. But um, I think we'll see in 2019. I mean, high class A is a a good test for him, I think, right away. But, um, yeah, I I haven't really heard anyone concerned with his hit tool as of yet. Um, You know, obviously, Like you said, he had helium going into the draft, so he had a good spring, went number two, performed well in his pro debut, so there's really nothing that you can say. I mean, his his numbers at Georgia Tech were great in his three years there. There's really nothing you can say, okay, you know, this guy's going to fail. Now, he might fail. He might not be a good hitter once he gets to double-A, triple-A majors, but right now I have a hard time saying anything, but at least, you know, average to above-average hitter at worst, but I I guess we'll kind of see in 2019. Yeah, you mentioned he's going to go out to San Jose, and and while some people, I think, would
0: maybe discount whatever he does in the Cal League because it's the Cal League. He's playing in the Northern Division where the stadiums aren't that hitter friendly. Uh, San Jose is going to be a good test for him, and I think we'll, we'll have a lot more clarity on Joey Bart. Uh, very clearly a, a very, very good prospect, and uh, we'll see uh, just how good that good is. You mentioned there was a battle for number two. Marco Luciano uh, ult- ultimately won that battle. He was one of the top international signees this year. And again, we talk about the Giants not having a lot in their system. Well, they start to address it this year you have a number two overall pick and you signed the player who uh, we at Baseball America had I believe is the number two overall international prospect in the class what about Marco Luciano has the Giants excited
1: well first of all I think he's just a a great athlete only 17 years old but just a premium athlete and that I think that kind of gets your attention just kind of jumps off the pitch here at first Um, they're going to Stick him at shortstop for now. Um, he's about 6'2", 180, so there's always a chance. I mean, anytime you're 17, there's always a chance by the time you're 22, you're you know way different shape and size than you were five years ago. So um, I think he'll start at shortstop now. The Giants seem to think he'll be able to handle it, but they also think that he's a good enough athlete that if he needs to move to center, he'll be able to handle that. If he has the hands and the lateral quickness for second base or even third base. Um, so so I think defensively, there's still some questions, but. You know, he's 17, so there's going to be questions just depending on how he grows. But um, really, the Giants were really impressed with his bat. Um, I know there were some swing and miss concerns kind of when, when the scout, you know, when I know Ben Badler, um, our international guru, when he was going around um, scouting these, these international prospects for 2018, I, there's a mention of some swing and miss concerns. But um, strong hands, quick bat, bat speed. Um, the uh, couple people I've talked to said he, they think he could have plus power in the future. I mean, a lot of that depends on how he does grow. Um, But yeah, I think just five-tool potential in this guy, um, which is impressive, and that's really what you're looking for when when you're signing a 17-year-old out of the Dominican Republic, just how many tools does this guy have now, and what can I kind of dream on? And I think from everything I've heard, you can dream on all five tools as being at least average, if not above average to plus. Definitely uh,
0: an exciting player, very, very far away, you mentioned 17, he's going to make his pro debut this year. We'll see if that's in the Dominican or if they bring him straight to the U.S. But uh, exciting player, but we talked about the Giants don't really have a one-year fix here. Uh, this is another guy that's going to take five, six, maybe even seven years as some of these international guys do just because they signed so young and the path is so long. Uh, Joey Bart might move fast, but it's it's not going to be this next season he's up. It's going to yeah. be the year after at the earliest. So talented players, the fix won't be soon. You mentioned there was a debate at number two between Luciano and and Elliot Ramos, Uh, their first rounder from a year ago. Did not have a very good season uh, on paper in the South Atlantic League. What did you hear from evaluators that led, you know, when you get your prospect handbooks, you'll see there's actually still a pretty solid grade on him in terms of ceiling. Uh, He he was in the discussion for number two uh, over another very well-regarded prospect. What did you hear uh, from evaluators that, you know, provided some faith, maybe more so than
1: what you would get just looking at the numbers on paper. Yeah, so going back to the debate, I think this is a hard one for me especially. It's, you know, we have a guy in Luciano who hasn't played. He's 17 and doesn't have a pro debut. So you're really just going off of workouts and showcases and stuff like that. And then you have a guy at Ramos who a year ago was in a similar spot as Luciano with first-round pick. Everyone's kind of dreaming on his tools, but he doesn't have that much game action. And then he goes out to low A. Um, He was 18 for most of the low-A year this year in Augusta, and he was just okay, I would say, and now I don't know if I say that because expectations were so high for him. Um, You know, if he was a a fourth-round pick, you know, maybe we're saying, oh yeah, it was a solid year for an 18-year-old in low class A, but as a first-round pick, their number one prospect a year ago, which I think sometimes kinda happens in weaker systems. Guys get the number one prospect label even though, you know, maybe in a lot of systems they're not the number one prospect. Um, But yeah, I think the, the Giants are still excited about Ramos. Um, the strikeouts were alarming this year. He had 136 and 124 games. Um, just gets a little aggressive at times. He's never going to be a big walk guy. Um, he's always probably going to be aggressive. I mean, obviously, he's only 19 now, so there's some maturation that will go into his approach, I'm sure, and he'll, he'll learn how to kind of I- improve those areas. But still a power speed threat. I mean, hit 11 home runs, um, which is solid, I, th- I think. Um, for an 18-year-old, stole eight bases and 15 attempts. Um, not great. You would like to see him get a little better instincts on the on the bases, but um, kind of built like a, I got I got this a couple times actually. Kind of built like a, a football running back or a, or a linebacker, or a safety or something. You know, just looks like an athlete out there. Um, stuck in center this year. Um, they liked what they saw in center. It, it's weird because in 18T Park or I guess Oracle Park now in San Francisco, you know, right field is so big, so. You know, if he stays with the Giants, and we're talking three, four years from now, a move to right field might be likely, if not at least, you know, 50-50 maybe. But center or right, he should be above average defender in either spot. Has the arm for right. Um, So I think it's hard to take too much stock into or or drop him too much for, you know, hitting 245 with a 709 OPS and low class A as an 18-year-old in his first full season. I mean, I think it's one of those things where all the tools are still there yeah, he needs to work on his approach and the strikeouts are a little too high and he needs to work on walking more. But other than that, I I think you just keep kind of bumping him up. So he'll be in high class. He'll be in San Jose with Joey Bard, as we mentioned. Um, So so that'll be, I think, a good test for him to kind of see how how they do side by side. I mean, these are two guys that they're counting on um, to kind of be the next face of their their next run, I guess, if you want to put it that way, at least from the position player side. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I think there's it was tough for me just because how much do you ding a guy for okay results as an 18-year-old in low class A versus a guy that's never played a pro debut? Um, so I didn't want to ding him too much. It was close. Um, we we actually had this debate in the office um, a couple of days before the handbook went to press. Ultimately decided Ramos at three, but I think if you if you came in and said no, Ramos is definitely two, Luciano's three. I'd be fine with that as well. I don't think there's a big difference right now, that may be in another year. If, if Ramos hits 210 at high class A and Luciano looks all-worldly when he makes his pro debut, then maybe there starts to be a gap there. But as it stands right now, I don't see much of a gap. Um, but it will kind of be up to Ramos to maybe improve some of these kinks next year.
0: Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Going back and looking through our scout notes we compile over the course of the year, it's mostly still positive on Ramos. Yeah. You would say, you know, I like the bad speed. I think there's power there. He's a bigger body, but he moves well. Right. He was fine in center field with good reads. Like, some of these... First rounders, second rounders, high picks. Within the first year, the numbers aren't good and the scouting reports are not good and the scouts make it pretty clear that someone made a mistake here. There's no such super negative reports on Ramos. Like, people still like him, they still see it. Um, It just, you know, again, numbers on paper were not as loud as you'd want to see, but again, he's one of the youngest players in his class. Uh, came from you know Puerto Rico. It um, you know, was not someone who had been on like the California showcase circuit for years and years yeah. and years and years. There's there's a lot of growth ahead, and, and he showed evaluators enough that there's still optimism. From the outside looking in, I would say it, at least again, to an outsider, it looks like you know Joey Barthcler number one. You mentioned these two, three. That's kind of that second tier. After that, it seems like there is a drop off. Uh, and, and again, when you get your prospect handbook, you'll see this. It's a mix of guys who project to be you know they have a chance to be solidish contributors, which you need to win at the big league level, don't get me wrong, but it's more a group of guys who, yeah, you know, they could be fine, and other kids who are so, so, so far away, it's hard to have any confidence in what they'll actually become. And in some cases, they really haven't performed, but you're just betting on a, on a tool exploding the next two or three years.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think kind of how I broke it down is, like you said, Bart, clear one, debate for two and three, drop off. I would say these next four pitchers, four to seven, um, I could I could hear arguments to put them in any order, um, all right-handers, um, all kind of different ceilings and floors, but all comparable, I think, when you weigh those two things. Um, so, so we put Sean Anderson four and Sean Jelly four uh, at five to round out the top five. I think those are two guys that, kind of like you mentioned, solid contributors. I don't know if you're ever going to see either Anderson or Jelly as, more than a three at best in in a starting rotation more likely maybe four or five um, starters but like you said you need those guys and I think especially in the case of Anderson he's close I mean already saw some action in AAA I wouldn't I mean we'll see how 2019 goes and what moves they make in the offseason I wouldn't be surprised at all if you saw him in San Francisco in 2019 Um, Jelly obviously just got drafted second round um, after the the pick after they took um, Joey Bart so obviously a little farther away he's another guy that I could see in San Jose as a a former SEC Pitcher of the Year, has that college pedigree. I could see him being a fast mover, him and Bart both. Um, but the, the ceiling maybe is not super high there, but both guys I think with its four pitches, they know how to pitch, they know how to control, came out of the SEC, kind of similar profiles to an extent. I think Jelly might have a little more fastball velocity. Anderson right now probably knows how to pitch a little bit better, but that's being a couple years older. Um, so those are two guys that if you just are banking on two guys, to get in the rotation and to produce for San Francisco sometime in the next year, if you're talking about Anderson, maybe two to three, if you're talking about Jelly, I think those are guys that you can just bank on as we will see them in San Francisco, barring injury or something. They, they seem to have the pedigree that, that moves quickly. So, um, that, that, yeah, that's why kind of why I decided to, to round out the top five with them. I could hear arguments for Logan Webb or Gregory Santos. Um, I kind of want to talk to you
0: about Logan Webb for a yeah. little bit. A uh, Northern California native from Rockland. This was someone, just to be completely frank, I had never heard of before this <laughs> season. I uh, go out and do my annual Cal League trip. it uh, shows up at the Cal League All-Star game. Best velocity of anyone there. I uh, saw him up to uh, 97. He was sitting at 96, showing both uh, kind of a firm changeup and a breaking ball with some sweep to it. Again, just one of those guys that you kind of go in blind and right away that the electricity of the arm and the stuff kind of opened your eyes a little bit. And then you see, you know, he performed well in the California League, uh, really his first extended run coming back from Tommy John surgery. Again, you talk about Anderson's close, Jelly, you know, further away just being a recent draft. Webb got up to double A, showed a fastball up to 97. Uh, Again, the durability hasn't been proven yet. Um, The secondaries are are not there yet. It might be more reliever when all is said and done. But I definitely kind of came away from watching him thinking, like, That's a big league arm, and there's no reason he can't help the Giants, whether it's 2019
1: or 2020 in some form or fashion. I think that's totally fair, and I I think there's a strong argument to be made that you could put him at number four in the system. And I think maybe the better argument is out of these four pitchers that we talked about, Anderson, Jelly, Webb, and Gregory Santos, that Webb might have the highest ceiling and the the best chance to reach that ceiling. Um, But like you said, I think the concerns with him are durability issues. Obviously, they were Tommy John. Um, he pitched 104 innings this year. Very encouraging, and yeah, the, the major increase in innings jump just from 16, 17 to 18. Coming back from Tommy John, still showed the stuff. Um, two, I feel like comp, I think they feel confident in two pitches. He, you know, you mentioned the the upper 90s fastball, wipeout breaking ball. One, two. I think he's there. I think worst case, you think okay, he can be a really effective reliever. I think they're still working on some of the other off speed. Maybe get a third pitch change up, fourth pitch curve, some you know mix in something there so you feel a little bit better about a starter's pedigree and that's ultimately why I dropped him outside the top five just because I feel confident that Anderson and Jelly are starters. Webb gives me a little pause even though the ceiling tire I mean this is a guy that if all clicks if the change up comes as the third pitch then maybe you're talking about a a number two or number three in a few years if he he proves durable so um, yeah I reports were good on him I don't think he was in our top ten this time last year. I think he was one of the biggest movers, just if you're looking from year to year. And I think, like you said, I think his stuff warranted that.
0: Yeah, and also there's a lot of uh, a lot of positive reports kind of on his makeup as well. You know, kind of pitches with a chip on his shoulder, Mm -hmm. Uh, the type of guy who goes right after guys. He's, again, in in a giant system that we've talked about might lack some interesting guys beyond you know you've got to. He's the guy to me that I'm going to be really curious to see what he looks like at Richmond this year. And and if he gets up and gets a chance to pitch in Sacramento in the Pacific Coast League, uh, especially, you know, just especially also being a hometown kid, uh, Northern California. He's someone I'll be keeping my eye on. And, you know, after him, it's it's a lot of guys in rookie ball, Gregory Santos, Alex Canario, Luis Toribio, Jake Wong. And I want to talk to you kind of more about like the, the process of putting up the rookie ball guys versus guys who, have gotten to the majors or are closer, but there's also questions about uh, Chris Shaw and Melvin Adon are, are two players yep. who have been in this top ten or are close to it in recent years. Fell out. Uh, Aramis Garcia we saw get to the majors last season. A catcher with some power. Ultimately, what kind of went into that decision making? What were those discussions like? Where you know the final call was we're going to put the four rookie ball guys in the top ten over maybe some of the other guys with, with a longer track record.
1: And I'll kind of preface everything I'm about to say by I I don't really think there's a wrong answer here. If you want to put Shaw in your top 10, that's fine. Um, To me, there's just such a lower ceiling on Shaw that that it was hard for me to rank him above some of these guys. Because of the swing and miss issue? Yeah, yeah. So, Shaw specifically, I think you're talking about a a left fielder only who's at best an average left fielder. He's got plus power, but there were some swing and miss issues. He struggled um, with San Francisco, late season call-up, small sample size, I know, um, but but he struggled um, with some swing and miss stuff, just kind of maybe trying to do too much, got to San Francisco finally, you know, former first-round pick, big hype, and um, just kind of struggled, and I think there's just a limit on how good Shaw can be. Um, so, so that's kind of not, I mean... The, the 144 strikeouts
0: to 21 walks in Sacramento was definitely... Yeah. A red flag for a lot of value. mentioned, plus power, uh, great guy, by the way. And, and I do think that, you know, no one denies that, that the power is there. It's just about will the approach be there. And Exactly. Like at some
1: point, you just have to hit to reach that power. And if, if you can't hit, that power becomes less and less important. Um, and, and not just sh-
0: shaky confidence he'll, he'll be able to do that? Yeah. So
1: it's not to say he can't hit. I mean, you know, he's a, uh, looking at it now. He's a career 275 hitter in the minors. So if he does that. And keeps up the plus power, then maybe I'll look stupid for not putting him in the top ten. Um, but but just from everything I was hearing, he's not really going to give you any defensive value or any value on the bases. It's just you're putting a lot of faith into that hit tool so you can get to that power. And it's I think it's iffy at best if he's going to be you know a big league everyday producer for the for the Giants. And but he'll probably have a chance in 2019 depending on kind of how the rest of the, the rest of the off shakes out. Um, he could get every day at-bats and make me look silly in six months, so we'll see.
0: In terms of guys like the guys that went to him, Santos, Canario, Toribio, um, what, what did they show, even in very, very small samples, that you know, created that excitement that, okay, these are guys that you know, we, we do want to run up this high, even
1: with that small sample size? Yes, yeah, so I think Toribio is probably the, the best example of this in terms of running a guy up um, who, who flashed a little bit, but like you said, small sample size, rookie ball. But every report I got on Turvio was just that his approach at the plate was just was just advanced. Um, just knows how to just kind of knows how to work in at bat. Um, Fifty one walks and, and sixty four games had a four twenty three on base percentage in the Dominican Summer League. Um, just everyone. I, I had one scout tell me it looked like he was a major leaguer on rehab assignment when he was up at the plate, and I mean, obviously that's that's really high praise. He's only. He's just turned 18. He was 17 most of the year, um, and this is a guy that's third base, not going to give you a lot of defensive value. More offense, you know, offense first third baseman for sure. Maybe think of a Rafael Devers type, if, if you want to put it that way. Um, but there's a chance that his bat is really special, um, and, and so that's kind of why he had 10 homers in 64 games. I mean, everything from the offensive profile that you wanted to see from a 17-year-old. Yes, it was the Dominican summer league. I know, but everything you wanted to see was there, um, so we'll kind of see how he grows into, I mean, six one right now, we'll kind of see how he grows into his body at third, that could be some questions there defensively, but um, he's someone that I'm interested to see, you know, if they move him up, or they're going to move him up, but just how how quickly he, he moves up and how he performs once he gets challenged a little more, and just so maybe we can get rid of the, oh, it's the Dominican Summer League, you know, if he does it in Augusta or something like that, then it's it comes a little more legit. So he's a guy that, yeah, I, I definitely ran up. I know I got a few questions when I did my chat a few weeks back that, you know, how, how can you run him up that high? Where's Chris Shaw? And I, I get it. Um, if, I, if you want switch, to switch those two guys, because one guy's in AAA and already made his pro debut, and one guy's way farther back. But with this system, I just felt like it was maybe just as important to get those guys with higher ceilings up there because a lot of the guys that we're talking about in AAA – You know the Chris Shaw, Tyler Beatys of the world those guys really haven't done anything in my opinion to deserve to be ahead of these guys other than they're just five years older and have just climbed up the ladder faster but they've also had some failure whereas these guys haven't Um, and so I I think maybe I'm giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt but I think it's at least interesting to keep an eye on as as we go forward.
0: Someone who really over the course of the season that kind of Intrigued me in a couple different ways was Melvin Adon. I saw him in San Jose at the beginning of the season in April I was piggybacking off of a Tyler Beattie uh, nope. Not really a rehab star, but <laughs> essentially a rehab star because it was raining We'll in, go with a rehab star. Yeah, <laughs> it was raining in Tacoma where Sacramento was playing and the Giants wanted him in the big leagues and He yeah. needed to throw, so they sent him to San Jose. He threw that game uh, started against Griffin Canning And the opener minor league opener for San Jose and Melvin Adon came in and piggybacked off of him and what was impressive about Melvin Adon was, you know, obviously that 102 mile an hour fastball comes out and shows it. But I also saw him really wear down, you know, each inning that velocity kept dropping and dropping. And it's still a good velocity, you know, fourth inning, you're still seeing 94, that's good. But anytime you have like that eight mile an hour drop off in velo and in four innings, you notice it. Yeah. And on top of that, I'll never forget this, his 102 mile an hour fastball look, it's 102, it's going to be impressive. The guys were clearly seeing it, mm-hmm. and they knew it was coming so they could ambush it. Uh, you know, I remember I threw one right over the plate to Jack Kruger, and Jack Kruger almost took his head off, just <laughs> right back at him. So I was watching this, and, and to me, you know, people talk about the mechanics and all that, and, and obviously it's very important in, in discussing you know, who's a starter, who's a reliever. But for me, it was more just watching, okay, can he hold this stuff? And the answer was no. So in my head, I'm like, that's when you should just make him a reliever when you can't hold it. So they start him throughout the year. He did not make the Cali top 20 and frankly was not really in the discussion. No one was going to bat for him. The the control wasn't there, the ERA was high. I forgot the electric stuff. Again, it was kind of predictable sequencing. He didn't really hold his stuff and and one of the things scouts talked about is you could see it out of his hand real early so you knew what was coming and where it was gonna go. But the Arizona folly comes around and they finally use him in relief. And that was impressive to watch. I saw him come out of the bullpen twice, and that's where he should be. It was, you know, let him throw that 100, 102 in those two-inning stints. The slider was was pretty good as a starter, but it's, again, best early when his arm is fresh and it's just sharper and harder. And what that slider looked like out of, you know, that one-inning burst, that to me is a closer, not just a a late-inning reliever, you know, oh, he can pitch the seventh that's a closer. And and so for me, you know, they should have made him a reliever early. They didn't. But now that he showed what he can do, I I wanted to ask you, is that what they're going to do moving forward? Because it sure seems like it's what they should do.
1: Yeah, so I, I think you nailed it. I mean, everything you said is spot on. So kind of backing up a little bit, I, I think the Giants always thought of him as a late bloomer. He didn't sign until he was 20. And so there was always some thought of, okay, you know, obviously he has this prima velocity, he has good stuff. Let's just Let's not give up on him just yet as a starter. Let's keep him going, keep it going. But it just, like you said, it just wasn't clicking. It wasn't there. Um, so th- they said, okay, you know, Arizona Fall League, let's just pitched. He th- pitched a good amount of innings. I think 80 innings in 2018. It's just, okay, let's use him as a reliever. And I think now I think it's settled. He's will be a reliever in the future. Um, and you mentioned the closure thing that we have to, you know, for the handbook, you'll see... Uh, Um, we have to do projected lineups for 2022, I think was this year. And he was my projected closer in in three or four years um, for the Giants. I I think that's I think that's his most likely role, if you want to put it that way. Um, Yeah, so it's a legit one to 102. It's a little straight. There's not a ton of, you know, deception there with the fastball, like you said, but it's still 102. And if you only got to get three guys out and the slider will play up and it works off the fastball well, and if it plays up in one inning, then you have you know a dominant two pitch righty potentially. Whereas if you're trying to you know milk everything you can out of those two pitches in four or five innings, six innings, and then the fastball is now 94 instead of 102, it's just it caused a whole bunch of problems. And I I don't think he was ever going to reach his ceiling, staying in that role. But I think you will see a different Melvindon this year. I, I think now he has a chance to move really quickly. He you know San Jose was as, as high as he got last year. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're in it and they need a reliever late down the season. There's, you know, he, he could be there, and maybe not in the ninth inning right away, but seventh, eighth inning guy, I'm sure he'd be effective. Um, and if not, that 2020, I think, is, is safe as a reliever. So um, they added him to the 40-man roster this offseason, so they obviously think highly of him. Um, yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think this is a guy who's full-time reliever moving forward, but a guy that should impact San Francisco sooner rather than later.
0: There isn't a tremendous amount of depth in this system. But there are some guys who have done some interesting things or had a little bit of pedigree in the past. Maybe they've fallen by the wayside, but there's some hope they can get it back. Who's the sleeper in this system or, or someone down maybe in the back half that you think Giants fans should, should keep an eye on?
1: Um, so I'll kind of preface this by saying, I think once you kind of get outside the top eight or nine, um, and we kind of talked about the Chris Shaw range, I think from nine to maybe 30, you could probably put these guys in any order you want, you know. <laughs> and maybe that's what you kind of mean by the lack of depth. But there's not a lot of separation, so it wouldn't really surprise me if a guy I ranked 28th next year was 11th or something like that. You know, it wouldn't really surprise me. But in terms of a sleeper, I'll go Juan Depalo, which is a, a guy that just got in the. You talked about the McCutcheon trade when they sent him to the Yankees. I think on August 31st, the day right before the the, the waiver trade deadline. Um, so he only made one start with the Giants, but. It's kind of skinny, six foot three right-hander with just a lot of projection. Had a really good start in Augusta, um, which is probably where he'll be for 2019. Um, has has all the makings of, of a, a mid-rotation starter. Just kind of needs to just iron it out. I think he's 20. Tw- I think he's 20 this year. Just turned 21 in the offseason. So he, he's a guy, especially for Giants fans that might have checked out by August 31st. Saw they trade away McCutcheon for a couple of no-names. Okay, you know, whatever. See in 2019, I think he's a guy that that trade might work out. I know the Giants left off-season, off, off got some flack for, you know, getting McCutcheon, getting Longoria, just kind of being old and, and, and not working out. But maybe that's McCutcheon, if, if it turns out and DePaul is really good for you in a few years, then maybe that all worked out. Um, so I think he was a guy, he's kind of in that teens range right now. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all if he has a good year in and low Class A that jumped up. Um, but yeah, kind of any of these guys, Camilo Duval's a, a probably a reliever, right-hander. Um, He's a guy that, uh, you know, premium velocity, upper 90s, could, could move quickly, probably be in San Jose, probably be their top relief option for a team that should be pretty good in San Jose, like we mentioned with Bart and Ramos. The
0: San Jose team keeps sounding really good. Yeah. The more we talk about, there's so a lot I, of guys.
1: I, I actually got this question in my chat. Um, someone was asking, he, you know, lives in Augusta or something, and he was, you know, who who am I going to see in Augusta? Am I going to see Bart and Ramos and all these guys? And I was like, if, you know, you need to probably go out to San Jose because if, if there's one kind of you know, gleam of hope for the Giants in 2019, the Miners. I would say it's probably going to be in San Jose. You have Bart, Ramos, Jelly, maybe Duvall. You will have some other guys. Um, so so that would be the one team that, that I would watch out for. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys back in the 20s, I mean, Garrett Williams was a guy, a lefty starter, um, starter for now. might have some reliever questions, but he was a guy that ranked in our top 10 last year. Um, and, and he didn't have a great year, but uh, we, ha- we had him at seven or eight last year for a reason. So it wouldn't surprise me if he jumps back, back in. So, I mean, there are some guys up and down this list that uh, guys that didn't have good years maybe dropped but the the system is shallow enough that one good season could jump you right back up into the top five and could have you on the san francisco uh, on san francisco's radar for the future as a as a as we talked about they need to kind of turn over this roster make it younger one good season the miners you could go from 26 on this list into the top 10 and, and be someone they're counting on in 2020.
0: We know the Giants will continue adding. Obviously, they're going to have another high pick uh, this coming season after finishing fourth in the National League West. They have not made any huge sell-off type of trades yet this off season, as of this recording on uh, January 16th. But that could change between now yeah. and opening day. See if, if some big <laughs> that might change
1: would... by tonight. Honestly, you probably just jinxed it. <laughs> so you know,
0: there, there's still going to be some some additional talent coming into the system, and uh, you know, again, Giants fans, I, I think. If things get rough, just look up at those three pennants. Exactly. And, just uh, look up
1: YouTube videos of the World Series championships. It'll be fine. <laughs> and, and, and you can even make that
0: hour drive, well, without traffic, hour drive down to San Jose. Yeah, there you go. See, see a little bit of, a, little bit of a promise for the future mm-hmm. and just, it is what it is, but, but I think every San Franciscan and, and native Giants fan would say it was worth it and...
1: Now I just got to go through this process. Yeah, I just think about it this way. There's probably fans of 25 might be a, that would probably trade the last decade for what the Giants did, you know? I mean, at least 25, maybe more than that. I think, all, I mean, no one's won three World exactly, Series a yeah, so decade. Yeah, I, maybe I you all go 30, all 20, yeah, all, all 29 teams, to trade. Yeah, yeah all so, 29, yeah. So if, if you're feeling down on yourself, just think that all 29 fan bases might trade to be where you've been the last 10 years. And so you're just kind of, it's cyclical. You'll be back. Uh, Joey, Joey Bart will be leading the way for the next 15 years, and you'll have your next Buster Pose, and it'll be all, everything will be all right.
0: That is the dream. Again, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate all your hard work, and uh, folks, let us know if you enjoy our podcast. Give us a rating, review uh, on iTunes or whatever uh, platform you choose to listen on. And we are uh, doing this for you guys, and we enjoy it, and let us know what you want to hear more of and what we can do better. In the meantime, for Keegan Lowe, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thank you for listening to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. What's spring like in Park City, Utah?